0: Hi there, I'm Andy Bush. Welcome along to another episode of Scarred for Life, a journey into the dark dystopian pop culture of the 1970s, 80s and beyond. I'm aided and abetted as ever by Steve Brotherston and David Lawrence, the co-authors of the terrifying Scarred for Life books. You know how this works. Every week we'll be speaking to a special guest who'll be bringing with them three horrific childhood memories of something that has literally terrified them since they were kids. Before we get into it, though, let's hear uh, one of the things that has scarred you, our dear listeners for life. We love the fact that you've been getting in touch about it as well. At Contact at scarredforlifebooks.com if you want to send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, hi to Dave Carden. Uh, who's been in touch, to say, Guys, I'm loving the podcast. On the theme of comedy that scarred me as a child, there is a Lenny Henry parody of Michael Jackson's thriller that terrified me as a kid. At the end, Michael, in Avert commas, wakes up in bed and is told by his mum that it's all a dream. He goes back to sleep and says, Good night, Mum. At which point, she turns to the camera with glowing eyes and says, Good night, Michael. Uh, I hated it. I think it's the idea that my mum secretly could be a monster that got me keep me awake it kept me awake at night for ages so it's that thing of comedy being scary sometimes it's more scary than stuff that's supposed to be scary don't you think
1: yeah it's the yeah. ambush again i ch- i checked this out on youtube earlier and they're absolutely right it's we've had muriel gray so far bringing up a benny hill sketch from the 60s yeah. that is pure horror we've had Rhys Shearsmith bringing up a um sketch that again it has got like spurting Blood from throats, and this—it's your typical Lenny Henry sketch. It's Lenny being Michael Jackson, but the ending is just horror. You've got the studio audience laughing. She does turn round with big, glowing cat-like eyes and this booming, distorted deep voice. It's not funny. It's just horror at the end of this comedy sketch. But this seems to be a rich mind that we're earthing during the yeah. course of this podcast yeah. and I'm fascinated by this now. This is I'm I'm mildly obsessed by British comedies just
0: kinda of chucking a pure horror moment. A little curveball in there as well. So yeah, keep them coming in, David. Lovely to hear from you. Uh, I'll give you the uh, contact details again at the end of the episode. But uh, let's move on. Our guest this week is a comedian, writer and podcaster. A regular on the comedy circuit has appeared on Richard Osman's House of Games, Live at the Apollo, and Alan Davis as yet untitled, to name but a few. As co-writer and co-host of the smash hit true crime podcast, All Killer, No Filler. She has a worldwide audience of a quarter of a million listeners and with co-host Kiri pritchard MacLean has taken the podcast on several sold-out UK tours as well as a tour of America. Her lifelong interest in the paranormal has led to a second podcast, Ghoul Guide, which sees her spending the night in various haunted locations around the UK. Rather her than us, she's embarked on several stand-up tours of the country with her latest showgirl currently coming to the end of its run. Rachel Furburn, welcome to Scarred for Life. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, it's brilliant to have you on. Uh, I mean, let's just start with true crime. Let's get s- uh, stuck straight in there. All yeah. killer, no filler, hugely popular, uh, yeah. an amazing podcast. you got the, the tour as well, which loads of people love. Um, what drew you to that kind of subject matter at the very beginning? Do you remember like the first thing that kind of, I don't mean got you into it because it's obviously a strange subject, but you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Well, to be honest, it started, I mean, I've always been interested in true crime, which, which we'll get to in a bit as well. Um, and, Kiri Pritchard-McLean, who is obviously my co-host and friend that I do the podcast with, we're both stand-up comedians as well. And what used to happen – I mean, because the podcast has been going 10 years now. It's the 10th oh, anniversary wow. next year. I know. I can't believe it. We just it, People just keep listening, and we just keep thinking, can we ever stop? It just keeps going on. And uh, <laughs> we, we sort of – years ago, what used to happen is they'd never put two women on the same bill in comedy because um, it was still quite a sexist environment. And, uh, you know, people are still frightened of women in case, you know, we synchronized or something. <laughs> so she actually lived across the road from me as well when I lived in Manchester. And people kept saying, oh, you two would really get on. And there's nothing worse than when someone says to you, you'd get on with somebody. You think, well, I'm going to make it my business not to get on with this person. Yeah. Um, but we, we did get on and because we, we were both interested in sort of serial killers and supernatural and stuff like that. And that's why people said, oh, you two should should meet up, you know, And but we never crossed paths because obviously they never put us on the same bill together. Uh, but then, yeah, we met up and we got on. And then she, we, she, I think it was Kiri that suggested, she said, should we do a podcast? I was like, yeah, OK. And then we couldn't decide what to do it about. And I think we just went, well, we're both interested in serial killers. Should we try that? And we didn't think anyone would listen. And here we are 10 years later.
0: Amazing. And do you feel bad like saying out loud that you, you're interested in serial killers? Because sometimes because you know, I feel the same way. I'm into the similar kind of stuff, but sometimes I feel bad saying it because it feels like you have kind of like a an active, almost hobbyist interest in serial killing, which is not what you mean. But there's something that draws you towards the details. And, and I, I bet you probably have quite a forensic memory of... Different yeah. crimes and who the murderer is and where it took place, etc.
2: Yeah, it's that kind of thing of like someone will go, oh, "Who was that bloke who murdered that woman, Rachel? Who was that guy?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, Bible John." Or you know, I'll I'll always know <laughs> the trivia around it. But I, uh, it, it's weird now because you know, I've, it's like I've always been interested in weird stuff. Well, perceived weird stuff. But as soon as people find out that you're interested in something like serial killers or true crime people that want to talk about it. And it was like that before the explosion in podcasts, you know. yeah. Um, and it'd be like, oh, my mate's interested in that, or, oh, I'm interested in this, or my favourite serial killer's this one, you know. There's always, people are always interested in it.
0: Well, I mean, I remember buying the the murder case books. Do you remember the, uh, the, yes. uh, the, the, the weekly or monthly serialised? <laughs> I, I think I had the Hague, the guy that was the acid bath murderer, and then it was... John George uh, Hague. Well, uh, they go straight yep, in there, Rachel, there with go. the with the, uh, with the intel, uh, and then uh, Dennis Nilson, who, yeah. who my uncle arrested, which is the reason why I ended oh, up buying the wow. things. so So uh, he was the arresting officer of Dennis Nilsen, uh, uh Peter J, my uncle. So uh, wow. the Danny May's TV show was was based wow. on him, which is That's pretty crazy. Amazing. But it freaked me out. I ha- I think I got three episodes in uh, on on Murder Casebook, had it in the corner of my room, and I, th- I went and put them in the bin because I felt like it was like. I don't know. Did you feel like sometimes you can be too exposed to it, and you? What if you start thinking like them, or you? You know, it turns you weird. Were you a bit worried about that?
2: <laughs> no, I'm not worried about that because I'm a woman. I think men should be more worried about that, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but but it's with those murder case books. My um, my granddad used to go go to the flea market every Thursday, and he'd always come back with you know a few copies of murder case book and a true crime book and something about ghosts or whatever for me. Yeah. And um, I remember I was in hospital when I was about. 20 and i'd had my wisdom teeth out and i had to sort of stay in for the day and my auntie turned up she went i brought you these and just threw a load of murder case books on the bed i was like brilliant now i just look like a total weirdo in this hospital (laughs) um but yeah i i I love that kind of stuff yeah and you you, people had the ring binder, didn't they like collect them yeah
0: you know what? other people might (laughs) make the millennium falcon over 25 weeks you're compiling the a to z of the the world's worst you know criminal 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 masterminds um is there a murder or a crime or or a case maybe that's not solved that has a particular interest to you that captivates you the most out of all of them do
2: you know unsolved doesn't really i mean i kind of like unsolved when it's uh when we're doing the podcast because i think brilliant we don't have to go through the trial because i find the trial so boring um, but one that I, I mean, the one I would say, I mean, as I, I've always been interested in this kind of stuff. And it, and it definitely came from my grandparents, because my granddad was really interested in sort of supernatural and, and sort of macabre stuff. And he used to, I've still got it now, it's a book called Horrible Murder um, by Leonard That's Lennon what it D3. says on the tin. Yeah. And it, it's a yellow book cover and the front of it is, uh, it's all a compilation of the Illustrated Police News. So the front cover's a, a woman sort of kneeling on the floor, a Victorian woman, and a man putting a sword through her head. So as a kid, I was like, oh, what's that? <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm allowed to look at that, so I'd like to look at it. And from the age of about six, I used to sit there and look through it, and everyone would be like, well, why are you letting her look at that? And my granddad was like, oh, she's all right, she's quiet, you know. And I absolutely loved it. Um, but I, and that's why I started to be interested in it. But I think the case, that there's not an unsolved case that fascinates me, but the case that I would say sort of definitely dragged me into true crime completely was Fred and Rose West. Because I remember at school we used to have to write every Monday we'd have to write a little diary of what we did at the weekend, which my mum used to say, that's just your teachers being nosy that. And (laughs) we always used to do like a news story. So the tea it's so weird, the teacher actually chose the news story. So she told Trent, did anyone see the news? And and they found this and I wrote it in my diary. I wrote a a man in Gloucester's been arrested. Um, they found, uh, I think it was like four bodies in his house. Uh, they even found two in the chimney, as if like, oh. And uh, mm-hmm. we've still got the, I've still got it at um, my mum's house. That box. So that was the case that I think dragged me into back into sort of really being obsessed with true crime because I was just fascinated by it. It was such
0: the big house, news, you know. The house yeah. was the other thing about Cromwell Street that was so kind of, you know, creepy yeah. and and, and kind of drew you in. And, and there was something kind of really unsettling, particularly the, the basement. You know, when, when there's uh. paintings on the walls yes. in basements and stuff, it was creepy as hell, isn't not it?
2: Because it was those paintings that looked like um, like bad ice cream van paintings, wasn't it? You yeah. know, and it just really horrible, just... Uh. Grim. there's now yeah.
0: now more creepy than bad ice cream van or fairground paintings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what do you want to say?
3: Yeah, can I just say I'm the exact opposite? I find real life murders too horrible to look at. I'm I'm very much your Agatha Christie, like you know, cyanide in a cream bun uh, murders, <laughs> or you know, a bomb, a bomb, a uh, piano key, or something like that. I cannot, it stems back to it was, it was when my dad died. Basically, I, just before my dad died, I was reading uh, James Elroy's Black Dahlia which is wow, okay. absolutely horrible, horrible. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, The young woman soared in half, and they found saw the body parts. Uh, and then my dad died. And for some reason, I couldn't pick the book back up again ever. And I think from that oh. moment on, I've been very much not real murders. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't... Right, yeah, yeah. I, I can't look at them at all.
2: Interesting. very interesting, because I, I, I am the... I, I say I'm the opposite, but I, I did used to be, you know, I, I'm like, well, if it's not true, I'm not interested. I love factual yep. stuff. But I have recently. I mean, maybe it's my age now. I've recently got into Midsummer Murders.
0: Oh my word! That's very, very uh, <laughs> tame for you, Rachel. Oh, you say,
2: so to sort of stuff? so tame for me, and I pop it on in the background, and I'm like, "Oh, this is lovely, isn't it? What a what a lovely show this is!" And I, yeah, I really enjoy that. But I, I can see what you mean. You know, maybe you associate it with just a horrible time. You know, yeah, that kind of thing.
3: I mean, I, I also avoid, like, gore on the internet and stuff like that. You know, some people really go just seek out uh, gore.
2: Yeah, I, see, that's it. I like reading about, like, I'm interested in reading about <laughs> yeah. the true aspects of it all. But anything, I don't know how people can look at some of the stuff that's on the internet. You know, like, I remember when I was at school and it was, you know, Rotten.com had just come out all yes. the lads oh at school god, and look yeah. at stuff on there and I just just think, oh my god, what is the matter with you? I, I can't look at anything like that, you know, I, I, it's like I, I do have a, and like when people look at crime scene photographs, that's, oh you know god. I don't like that
1: Well this is the thing, I'm, this, I'm incredibly squeamish, always have been yeah. always will be, and I'm like they. I'm. that's my kind of aversion to true crime I find it fascinating, but I'm so squeamish and do you know of a thing called hyperphantasia?
2: Oh no, what's that?
1: Right, it's a condition, I think it's not like 50% of the population have. I just assume everyone had it. You know when you read a novel, I see it as a HD film. I can see camera angles. Oh, wow. Oh, I can wow. see the camera swooping around. I just thought that's how people read books. But one of my mates, Elsa... She's got the opposite, aphantasia. She sees nothing. She can follow a novel. She can follow a book. She sees no images. So everyone has... Most people have hyperphantasia to some extent. Apparently one of the ways to test is close your eyes and try and imagine yourself holding an apple. Whereas I can hold it, feel it. I can jolt from the tartness of the taste. Unfortunately, when I read gory passages or... Read about true crime, I can see the images in my head.
4: Oh, my God.
1: That bodies, gore, and it knocks me sick. That's incredible. uh, There's this thing, it's it's incredible, but it's kind of a bit of a curse as well. (laughs) There's been times where I'm kind of, I like crappy horror novels, and sometimes I've been reading stuff on the bus, and you get to a really gory bit, and I'm kind of like, oh, crap, shit. And I've kind of got these images in my head, and I'm trying to get rid of So there's that thing as well with true crime, where I can't dislodge the murder from the families, that lives have been ruined, and the friends and yeah. the families, and I find the psychology absolutely fascinating.
4: Wow. But it's, it's
1: almost like I'm too empathetic, and I just don't want those images in my head. Rotten.com. Geez, Richard, uh, I still have PTSD from rot- being shown stuff from Rotten.com to the point where if someone gets a phone out and says, ERSD, hey, watch this video, uh, I'll kind of flinch and go, is it gory? Because because of some of the things yeah, I've I, been shown over the years,
2: do you know, I think I think as well, I think it's a very male thing as well that I, like women we don't, <laughs> yeah, we might read about true crime and you know we, we, we're interested in and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, none of my mates have ever said to me, "Have a look at this." Like, it's I think it's a very sort of male sort of way, and like young yeah. men sort of bond over stuff like that, don't they? It's, it's quite a
4: yeah. Yeah. Is it
2: sort of testing each other's boundaries? I don't know. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's not um, oh no, not for me. Any anything and I am really um squeamish as well. You know. I'm alright if I'm reading about stuff. But yeah. it's you know, if if I'm watching a horror film it, but then again I want a horror film to be very gory, that's what I quite like. Um, it does really make knock me sick and I am very squeamish, you know, my feet go all funny, you know, that kind of ugh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we used to, I used to work in Forbidden Planet in Liverpool. We used to actually have a book that we used, we had to put behind the counter. We couldn't put it on the shelf. It was Crime Scene Photos.
2: Oh my as god. As an art
1: book. From the thirties, forties, fifties. And one of the lads in work just kinda of picked it up. I saw a split second of one of the photos over his shoulder and I couldn't dislodge that oh. picture out of my head for about three days. But the fact that crime scene photos were sold as an art book
3: yeah, that's wow, me, yeah,
2: that yeah, I mean, that's a bit just distasteful, really, isn't it? Massively,
3: mm. yeah. I was, I was, I was just going to say, I think I saw the same book, Steve. Uh, there was it was from a, uh, a New York detective's uh, crime scene photos, and there was one I that was the disti- one, yeah, distinctly remember it. it was a guy who stepped into a lift, and halfway into stepping to lift, the lift dropped like a stone. Oh, my word. so it's oh. only his back off. It's only his back off. What, what, I actually, what I actually wanted to say was. Um, I've mentioned this before. I'm not sure it's been broadcast ever on the podcast, but uh, I, I teach kids math. I have taught kids math. And one kid said to me, oh, do you want to see this This video? It's really funny. Me and my girlfriend, oh, we laugh about it all the time. It was a Mexican drug cartel execution video where they chainsawed off two people's heads.
0: And, wow. the ch- and
3: the chainsaw gets stuck in a second guy's neck. Oh!
0: It, uh, this has got it, dark very quickly, guys.
3: <laughs> and the, yeah, point, the, the, point, the point being, like Steve, I couldn't get that image out of my head for, for weeks. And they
2: thought it was, it was highly amusing.
0: Hilarious.
2: Wow, oh, my God. That's hardcore.
3: All it's of Desensitised yeah. <laughs> yeah. isn't the word. Wow. I, I mean, it,
0: just on that whole kind of the squeamish thing and gore, etc. Can you be squeamish, but still, because, you know, Steve, you watch, you were talking about, you know, video nasties, you talk about video nasties a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Is that different to being squeamish, would you say?
1: Um, no, I just, this is the weird thing, Andy. I've been obsessed with horror since before I can remember. And I love gore. But in that video nasty era of my teenage years in the 80s, I would seek out the goriest films and then be repulsed by them. And okay. we watching them through my fingers. But part of that was so I could say to my mates the next day, I've just seen zombie flesh eaters. It was that <laughs> I could kind of, it, because they were all banned. But the older I get, the less I'm into the gory films, mm. the more I'm into the kind of psychological or the moody ghost Midsummer, films. Midsummer that murder, yeah, murders, there that kind you of go. thing.
4: they will be there at some point. Uh, a yeah, uh, yeah, last thing on the,
0: on the crime uh, side yeah. of things, uh, Rachel, do you, do you think there's something a little bit more scary about UK British crimes than they are American crimes, like you know, like the Yorkshire Ripper and yeah. and stuff and the cobbled streets of, you know, Leeds etc, that, that that kind of seems more scary to me, or it has a bigger effect on me than, than say an American crime, I don't know if you have a particular one that yeah. gets you the most
2: I, I agree, although I, there is something, I am more interested in British crime,
0: right.
2: uh, and, I, and I do think, you know, I think, you know, for the size of the country, for the, the serial killers we've had, I'm like, it's a bit it's a bit much, isn't it, I mean <laughs> We've had the Moors Murders. We've had the Yorkshire Ripper. We've had Fred and Rose West. We had the Ipswich Strangler. We had Joanna Denny here. Who else have we had? You know, Bible John. Um, I mean, we could go on, right? But and yeah. I think for the size. of the country, So I think there is something deeply sinister about the UK in general, uh, particularly yeah. in sort of the 80s as well. I mean, when the Yorkshire Ripper was about, there's it, it just something so depressing about that time. You know, the way it looked, yeah. The way it, was it just looked, pretty really grim, and, and, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just everyone, everyone was, you know, just so depressing. But the the murder that the serial killer that, that frightens me the most, I would say, would be um, Dennis Rader, BTK, um, yes. bind, to torture, kill. Now, when I, I have to say bind, to torture, kill after that, because when I say BTK, a lot of people thought I said Peter K. And that's not what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) At the point of recording, he has no victims, as far as we can tell. Um, As far as we know. As far as we know.
2: But with with him, because obviously, I mean, he he started off, he he killed an entire family, uh, and then he went on to to do, uh, it was home invasions, that's what gets me. Anything to do with finding out, you know, the idea of being stalked, and then coming home and someone being in your house uh, that is the thing that terrifies me so Dennis yeah. Rader I think is the, the, the serial killer that scares me the most
0: and strangely normal guy as well which normally yeah. adds to the kind of scary factor as well uh, Dave. absolutely
3: so I was just going to say uh, we we do quite a lot of live shows for Scarred for Life and we quite often drive north and every time we drive over Saddleworth Moor <gasps> and it's and it always oh is, yeah and it always makes you yeah. think every yeah. time yeah
2: you you can yeah. uh, you, you just can't not you ha- you always associate it with that, don't you? With the with the Moors yeah. murders. I, I so I mean this is a bit grim, and this shows how grim I was, I, how weird I was as a child, but also how um, so. Obviously, a group in Manchester, the Moors murder, Moors Moore's, Moore's murders were often in the paper anyway. Like even years after it happened, there would often be a story about them in prison or whatever. And I remember I was probably about six, and on the front of the Manchester Evening News was the, it was Ian Brady and Mary Hill in the mug shots, you know. And I think yeah. maybe they'd be on the Moors looking for Keith Bennett again, and you know, it was on the front of the page. And my mom said to me, she went to me dad, watch this. And she went, who's that? To me. And I went, the Moors murderers. And they just sort of looked at each other. Now I don't know <laughs> what they thought. <laughs> I think my mum was trying to prove a point, as in like, that image and like, that, that what happened is so still, you know, Sort of, what's the word around still? Sort of, it's in an iconic mind. photo and stuff, yeah. Isn't it as well, that, that even I knew as a child what that was, yeah.
1: I think one that really got to me, you, you'll know about this, Rachel, definitely. I, I only know surface level stuff because I've seen the clip on YouTube. Was the bullseye killer, and when I say oh, bullseye, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean as in Jim Jim Bowen,
4: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> a, I, don't know if, I don't know if you guys know about the nice. yeah, guy. Think, he's a Welsh guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. There's a contestant on Bullseye from the 80s, and he's there, he's laughing, he's throwing his darts. Yeah. He was a killer. He yeah. was actually... Oh my uh, was God. he a serial killer? or what, was, was he a
2: Yeah, woman? I'm trying to work out what his name was. I can't remember. But he's one of the ones that's been suggested um, to us to... Let's see, where is it? Uh, did, 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 it, it, it kept, kept, yeah, John Cooper. It's John Cooper. Yeah. Wow. I think we might actually have done him as a... Might have done it as an episode actually, I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, yeah. weird, so weird. Yeah,
1: the guy he's just like a brown jumper, he's just the most normal looking guy, <laughs> laughing and joking with Jim Bowen. And then you kind of read the comments underneath and go, Jesus,
0: <laughs> hiding that? in plain sight. Uh, Dave, yes yeah?
3: Steve, was that the same guy who you put out a call for funny video shop stories, you remember? And and, and, and this guy said, the owner of my local video shop was a serial killer, do you remember that? God, yeah,
1: I've completely, basically, Rachel asked, our third book is out next year. And one of the sections in it I've written, already written years ago, about video nasties. So I put the call out on Twitter, Facebook, for anyone who's got stories or anecdotes about their memories of the video nasty era. 90% of them were, I was a kid and my mum and dad let me watch zombie flesh eaters. (laughs) The last one was someone went, yeah, the, the guy that owned the local video store, blah, 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 blah. And then years later, it turned out he was a serial killer in the oh. local area. And you're like, that. Oh, Jesus. my God.
4: Wow.
1: But I'm fascinated by that, the mundanity of evil, as they call it. Yeah. Just the
3: most normal people.
2: Yeah, even evil have has a day these, off, you yeah. know. <laughs> That's it, <Yeah. laughs>
3: Well, don't forget, vegetarian, artistic, loves dogs is the dating profile of Hitler. So, yes, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yes. So you know, uh, Rachel, if you were to go on Mastermind, would your we're going to get onto ghosts in a second? But would 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 ghosts or or um, or murderers be your specialist subject, or would it get, would you go any further, drill down into of a particular era, if you if you had to? well oh, i thought mastermind. about
2: that you know sometimes i was think oh i'd love to go on mastermind and then i think well I'd, I'd love to do oasis you know but it's already been done about three people have done it and then i thought what would i have to do i'd have to do like british british serial killers but they are not going to let me do that are they that's what i'd do though british serial killing
0: <laughs> oh well let's talk about ghosts um yes um so tell us about your um the, the ghoul guide where you've been kind of you know uh, it's the other podcast that you do but you you, you you're are you going to lo- locations that are haunted and checking them out? Just tell us a little bit about, about this. Yeah,
2: so so Girl Guide, which uh, it came out last year, and uh, I don't think we're not going to make another series, unfortunately, but it might go on to do something else. But we'll find out. But basically, I came up with the idea because I, I'm, I love the supernatural. I'm fascinated by ghosts. I'm terrified of them, and uh, I have to admit, in the meeting that uh, I had about this podcast, you know, you have these meetings and people go, oh, "Have you got any ideas?" and you panic. And you go, oh, yeah, here's one. Uh, and I knew I wanted to do something supernatural. But at the time, i have been watching a lot of um, beyond belief, fact, or fiction.
0: Love it. <laughs> and, Love it.
2: And I sort of said, and I went, yeah, uh, I said, it's, it's a ghost podcast where I visit haunted locations because that's what I wanted to do. I said, but the twist is, I said, I get told three ghost stories and only one of them's true. And I've got to work out which one.
4: <laughs> I thought, oh,
2: wow. And I thought, they're never going to go for that. And then as I got off the sort of the call, I thought, well, that's just, that's not a bad idea. I quite like that. But I have just sort of ripped off Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, but that's fine. Um, and then we, yeah, we made it, and I think it was six episodes. And we went to different haunted locations, and I got told these stories, and I had to figure out which one was true. And it was quite difficult for them to find somewhere that I hadn't, that I didn't know about, you know, that, you know, because obviously I've been obsessed with supernatural since I was a small child. So,
0: we always gone about Borley Rectory on this podcast, yeah, which seems to be Bally like the uh, yeah. the Thorpe Park of uh, <laughs> of like haunted houses and stuff. like that yeah, as well. Bally so Rectric. you were aware of loads of places. They had to pick somewhere that you'd not that wasn't on your radar, essentially. I guess. You know I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, they did. And uh, we went to Glastonbury, which was great. Stayed in a haunted hotel there. Where else did we go? Just sort of strange places that I'd never think of going. Like you'd be at a hotel in the in the Midlands, you know that kind of thing. And then we'd get like a yep. local. Uh, storyteller or um, you know a local person to tell me the three stories and then um, I'd have to decide overnight which one was which uh, so yeah it was it was quite I, I loved making it and it was great yeah. you know it was so so much fun but uh, and I, I sort of had big ideas for the next series but I don't know if that's going to happen but you know right. we'll we'll see.
0: Watch this space. I mean, did did you did you sense things? I was fine with those ghost programmes and they've got, you know, the ones with TV cameras and that. The best you ever get is a flipping is orbs, sick yeah, of orbs you, floating do you know around. What? Do you know
2: what? I, mean? I, I, as much as I love the supernatural, I will not watch anything that is like, oh, here we are ghost hunting at night with a, a camera, you know, a night vision camera. Oh, there's an orb. I am not interested in the slightest. I don't, I want to, all I want to do is hear the stories, be in the environment and just see how I feel. There was. I have to admit, the hotel in Glastonbury, the, the Pilgrim. It was weird. It they put me in this. You get a weird room. vibe
0: from some places, don't you?
2: Yeah, they put me in this room called the Nuns' Cell. I was like, oh great, this is going to be good, isn't it? And it was just <laughs> oh, the my most. It's just the most depressing. Like it was a nice room, but the most depressing feeling. And but then again, you're thinking, oh well, I've come into this knowing that you know I'm making a program about a ghost, and I, I just, and I don't know, I, I just. I couldn't set. I mean, I can sleep anywhere, I me. Mean, I'm fine, but I just couldn't settle. I just felt really miserable there. It, yeah, it, I think you can pick up on things, but then again, is it because I already know that it's supposed to be haunted?
0: Who knows?
1: I'm exactly the same as you, Rachel. I've been obsessed with the paranormal since it was uh, like three, four. Yeah. Um, UFOs, ghosts—that's me, big stuff. But it's weird, you know, because I've seen and experienced things. I. Hopefully I will be able to explain them at some point, but I cannot explain them. I've, um, I saw a massive black triangle go overhead, right over my head in broad daylight, 1996. When I say a black triangle, I mean a man-made black object, big red, circular light in the middle, little blue lights on wow. each tip. This was, oh. it was half four in the morning in um, midsummer week in June, 1996. It's broad daylight, blue skies. It didn't make a noise, which was the weirdest thing. Oh. I can't explain it. And I ran after it. It kind of, it disappeared over the rooftops. Forbidden Planet, where I used to work, I basically, everyone who worked there, including myself, either saw or heard or experienced something, including two mates who were the two most sceptical people I've ever met in my life. And they describe it as a haunted shop because we didn't know wow. any other way to describe it. Plus, there's things like the house that I grew up in my auntie basically after my dad died and we moved out she was like oh no the place was haunted we didn't want to tell you when you were a kid yeah and she basically she said to me do you remember when you were little and you used to talk about the little bumps and it sounded like something was scraping chairs downstairs at night and i was like yeah i said and my mum would basically say oh it's the house settling steve that's all it is it's normal bumps and it's the house settling yeah. and my auntie was like nah there was something was moving oh. furniture around downstairs i'm like but what are your theories because as I get older, even though I've seen things and experienced things, I find myself getting more and more sceptical. I'm, I'm veering more towards, I believe ghosts exist. I don't know what they are, mm-hmm. but I think it's a scientific phenomenon. I think it's a natural scientific phenomenon. I don't think there's any sentience there. I just think there's some kind of yeah. scientific thing that happens.
2: I, I think that, see, I don't know where I stand. Part of me is like, they definitely don't exist. But then things happen to people that you cannot explain. But I do yeah. think that it's picking up on old emotions or leftover energy of some description. You know, I, I, again, I, I mean, I don't, I don't bloody know. But if things, people have things that happen to them, and then they tell the story, and it's like, well, why would they lie? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why would they yeah. make that up? There is no reason. I mean, my boyfriend's the worst for this. He's just like, well, it's just a lot of rubbish, isn't it? they are just lying. I'm like. But why would a person like, There is that's it. There is nothing that they would get from it about lying, apart from to be ridiculed. So
4: yeah.
2: it's like I'm a I'm a real sucker for like uh, phantom hitchhikers, which will I think the reason why is we'll get to that in a bit. I, and I, I am fascinated by uh, sort of I mean, have you ever seen Telly Savalas? Obviously played Kojak. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he told a ghost story that, so this is, and you can find it on YouTube. Now, I found out about this ghost story because my auntie Trish, who, again, is she's very interested in the supernatural. I think she thinks it's a load of rubbish, but she's terrified of it. She told me years ago when I was a kid, she said, Telly Savellis told this ghost story on television. And she relayed the story to me. And then obviously years later, when the internet comes out, I'm like, and, and then one day i just look for it. And I'm like, oh, of course, there it is. So he's telling this ghost story about, he, he runs out of petrol one night and this man comes up to him, drops him off somewhere. And then he starts telling him all this weird stuff, like I'm friends with this baseball player. Uh, and all uh, tell him all this. And he's like, all right, okay. And then he writes his address down and tells his about of Alice, phones this number. Uh, he finds the, the number for this bar that this guy's from, rings up, his wife's like, stop taking the piss because he's dead, right? And he's like, he's oh, not dead. I, I, I've seen him and I spoke to him. And he had this high-pitched voice, this guy. And apparently, as the story goes on, I mean, I'm telling it terribly, but, but find it on YouTube because it's terrifying. The guy had shot himself through the neck. And the the Ooh. sort of baseball player that he was talking about had also died died the next day or something really weird like this. And I was like... Why on earth would he tell this story on a TV show that, at the time, millions of people are going to watch? Why would he lie? There, is no, there was no reason for him to lie whatsoever. And the story is so terrifying. Yeah. And so it's when things like that happen to people, I'm like, well, there's no reason to make it up. I mean, I can understand, you know, when kids are sort of messing about and, when you're at school, everyone makes up a ghost story. They go, oh, I've just seen a ghost in the music room. Or, do you know, there's a ghost in the toilet. Kids are going to make things up. But there is no reason that an adult would make up a story like that. But I do think it is. I think he's picking up on something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Obviously, I, I'm not going to. Imagine if I just solved it here right now. But <laughs> it is, I think it's picking up on, on either old memories, old thoughts, or... Yeah, it, there's there's something that we obviously we just can't explain.
3: Yeah, I was just about to say my uh, my Irish nan told me when she was the seventh daughter of a seventh daughter, she was Ooh. Irish. She was uh, she claimed she could tell when people were going to die. That was great. great. That was great. Yeah. That was super, yeah. Thanks for that, nan. Uh, <laughs> she, t- <laughs> she and she she told she told me uh, that uh, my house was haunted, and actually that's the house I'm sitting in right now. Oh, so no. if anything happens, no we know why. Um, Brilliant. And so at night, I'd be, I'd be there with the, the, the duvet covers pulled over me, age six. And I swear I could feel somebody sitting on, down on the edge of the mm. bed. You know, the bed dips down. Mm. Oh, I, no, I, And, no, no. and, and beca- because she had the gift of sight, allegedly, my, my dad thought I could predict death as well. Because appa- <laughs> apparently, when I was very little, uh, my, my, my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, who went by the wonderful name of Florence Lawrence, uh <laughs> she, she was in hospital dying. Uh and she we went they were out in the hospital to see her and she passed away. They came out and apparently I, I turned up age four or whatever at the top of the stairs and said Gangan's all better now and freaked them the fuck out for the next twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. Wow. Yeah. So I was possibly visited by the ghost of my recently deceased grandmother. So Yeah. yeah. And also what and one other thing, uh again I'm 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 a skeptic. Uh I have actually found my shoes piled up into a pyramid in my house. Uh and also and I've told this before, I'll mention it very quickly. Uh I was clearing out the loft and I had a CD player and it wouldn't play anything but thirties music in the loft. I had like a now that's why I call music C D. Yeah. did not work. Brought it back down, worked fine, took it back up, <laughs> wouldn't work. The only thing it would play was music from the 30s and this house is from the 30s so there you go oh my god it's, that's it's so like, weird
0: it's, it's like oh, the is. shining round of dave's house it really oh, is, it. I <laughs> is <to> tell you
3: <laughs> I, i've got a books over i think they're moving on the shelves on their own right now. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: well this is the thing it's like you said rachel about why would people lie yeah. when my my massively skeptical side kicks in when i do have one when i'm watching basically when i'm writing or painting i'm an illustrator on the side as well i'll just have youtube on in the background mm-hmm. with paranormal documentaries yeah. and ufo documentaries and when it's just someone saying i saw something i can't explain i think you're a normal person you're saying you you're not coming up with a theory yeah, yeah. but when i see someone going the alien agenda and they're here and they told me not to, i'm like oh up oh. yeah i that's that's exactly
2: yeah it's that's so weird because i I was actually listening to, that's it, I want to hear when real, like, people just tell something that's happened to them, they're like, I don't know why this happened, I can't explain it. Again, there is no reason for them to, to like, they're not saying, that was definitely, that was definitely a ghost, 100% that was a ghost. They're just like, I can't explain it. But I know exactly what you mean, I was listening to a podcast, um, it's called Mysteries and Monsters, it's a very good podcast, and uh, there was, I I sort of nodded off, but when I, I was on a train and sort of came to, and they had a guest on it who was a guy talking about aliens, but He was like, Yeah, and aliens are, you know, they're running the world. You know that they work. And I was like, Oh, he's just
0: luring. He's
2: just made up his own story, hasn't he? You know? Yeah, that's that's it. You've you've got to separate the the mad people from just the normal, haven't you?
1: Well, the one for (laughs) me is my Auntie Margaret. The one, my Auntie, who basically said the house was haunted. We didn't want to tell you as a kid, Steve. When she kind of. told me in my late 30s it was like it opened a floodgate Now, we had one of those old school houses where there was me, my mum and dad and various family members would come and go and stay over, like my aunties my uncles, and my auntie Margaret used to stay there, she'd lived there essentially, and she would have her own bedroom now in the early 90s, early to mid 90s she suddenly moved downstairs, we had two living rooms as well, she took the back living room moved a duvet down there, moved all the stuff down there. I just thought she was just being lazy or <laughs> whatever. She was, we didn't get on massively, the older I got. After me dad died, she basically said, oh no, 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 I, I basically asked her, I said, why did you move downstairs from the, the bedroom? I thought, are you just being lazy so you don't have to get off the couch to watch telly? She went, oh no, basically what it was. And this is a woman who was hard as nails, old school scouse. Uh-huh. Like nothing phased her at all. Nothing phased her. She basically said over the course of a couple of months, a couple of times a week, she'd be lying in bed reading, and she could hear someone walking down the landing outside, walk into the bedroom, and it sounded like they were taking jewelry off by the bedside table.
0: Horrible.
4: Didn't phase her.
1: Didn't phase her in the slightest until the night where this happened again. Again, it's like a loop, a loop recording. Took whatever it was was taken its jewelry off in inverted commas, then lifted the covers off and got in bed with her. That's oh. <laughs> oh. Steve, that's, that's when bloody she moved awful. Downstairs. That's horrible. I know. That is horrible. My blood sank. Off. Basically, the worst thing was I thought if it phased Auntie Margaret, then it's going to be the worst <laughs> thing on oh. Earth. Oh, But she moved wrong. downstairs the next day. She moved everything into the back living room. I don't blame she was her. Like, I'm not facing that again. Wow. Oh. A uh, Dave. Yeah, this horrible. thing about
3: aliens—aliens aliens running the world—you know, and the, the idea that Queen was a lizard. Yes. If no.
0: if, if, yeah. if
3: you were a shape-shifting space lizard, why would you choose to be
0: ninety-six? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's Where a good point. Think?
2: Exactly. Uh. <laughs> uh...
0: Rachel, before we get into your scars, just just for the record then, have you seen a ghost? Do you believe in ghosts? And what's your view on uh, aliens and UFOs? Very quickly. Oh,
2: well, here we go. I believe in aliens, 100%. Uh, I'm
0: okay. a believer. Well, why is that?
2: I just think there's got to be more to life than this, hasn't there? And I don't think they're interested in us. That's what I think. I think they're very advanced and they just see us as a bit of a laugh. Uh, so I do believe in aliens. <laughs> uh, I... Uh, and, and I'm very, I love saying yes, I believe in aliens because people don't expect me to say that. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm fascinated by them as well. Uh, yeah. Ghosts, I don't know. I've had a couple of things happen to me that I can't explain. Uh, but they happened at a time when it was a very emotional time, you know, sort of when, when my, my granddad died at a day, he he wasn't ill. He was, he sort of, I had this weird feeling though. And I said to my mum, I said, I've got something, I feel like something's going to happen, like there's going to be a wedding or something. I don't know. I've just got this weird feeling. And then I got home because I lived with my grandparents and uh, my, my granddad had died. So I, I just had this weird sort of thing. And then when my grandma died, again, I lived with her. Uh, and the night before her funeral, uh, again, this is so funny as well, my grandma was so sort of uh, forthright and uh, wanted things sorted. We lived opposite a funeral parlor, of course they did. And she went across the road about two years before she died, came back and she went, I've just sorted my funeral out by the way, it's all okay, but we're like, "Right, okay. So she was in the funeral parlor like, over the road, as we were very convenient, really. Uh, so me and my mum were sitting watching the TV, and uh, the washing machine started going round. And I said, Have you put the washing machine on? She was like, No. there's only us two in the house. Now, this would have been at a time that traditionally my grandmother would have done the washing in the evening. So we're like, Oh, that's a bit yeah. weird. And about two minutes after this, the doorbell went. So I went to get the door, there's nobody there. So the time it took me to answer the door, looking up and down the main road, you would have seen whoever it would have been and there was no one there. So I can't explain that. What I do think is that was probably because me and my mum were very upset and it was heightened emotions. Did we imagine it? Did we set something up? I don't know. I I don't like to think it was... My gran always used to say, though, uh, I'm going to prove... Because all my family laugh at me for being into ghosts and stuff like that. And she said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back when I die to prove to you if there's an afterlife. And the way I'm going to do it is she used to have really long, glamorous nails... She went, When you're in bed one night, sleep, I'm going to grab your feet with my nails.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> so between... I,
2: I can't sleep with my feet out of the bed now.
0: <laughs> well, I, between yeah, her and, and <laughs> Steve's auntie or whatever, I'm never going to sleep again, I don't think, to be honest with you. <laughs> Jewelry off, getting in bed with you, grabbing your feet with long fingernails. Let's get on to the scars before this goes too far. Let's do uh, Rachel, it. Rachel, how this podcast works, you bring with you three things that have scarred you for life and left a huge impression on you. Could we please get your first scar?
2: We can. Can I just tell you very quickly before we do this, though? Uh, I listened to the Reece Shearsmith episode, and um, when he mentioned uh, uh, the two Ronnies, the uh, teeny, teeny Todd. Yeah. Yes. I, so when I was a kid, I used to love the two Ronnies. This I remember this being on at the, the TV, and it's the only time my dad turned something off because he thought it was too scary for me. Oh, and when he wow. was, I wow. was like, "Oh my god!" I, re- I was like, "I remember this So that something else that didn't make it in. Let me just tell you this very briefly: uh, the front cover of the War of the Worlds album. Uh, yes. Terrifying. Oh here. yeah. I, I still can't look at it. And my mum used to play that, and when I, I can't even listen when it's that the first bit when he speak. No, not for me. But my first scar (laughs) is the film Poltergeist.
4: Right. Oh Great film.
2: Yeah, well, a great film that uh, came out in 1982, I believe. But I watched this film when I was uh, three years old because despite my dad turning off the two Ronnies because it was too scary, he had got Poltergeist out of the video shop, Porky's Video, which was an actual video shop. And he needed to take it back. But unfortunately, I was off school ill when I was, I mean, I was three, maybe I wasn't at school. But it, my, my cousin was definitely off ill because she used to live with us as well. And uh, we were sitting in the uh, front room at my grandparents' house where the video play was. And uh, here's something else I hate. It was bright sunshine outside and shut the curtains. <laughs> I hate the curtains being shut during the day. Gives me the creeps. feels and like a
0: dust house.
2: Exactly, and I'm sure it's because yeah. of this incident. So he needed to take this video back and uh, he just thought, well, there, she's a kid, she's not gonna watch it and the other one's not well, so it don't matter. He put Poltergeist on and I remember being absolutely terrified, clinging to my cousin and my mum came home from work and she was like, what the bloody hell are you doing? Letting him watch this? And he's like, oh, it has gotta got go back to the video show. She's like, "You are out of your mind? I can't believe letting let him watch it. I just remember being absolutely terrified by it and I, yeah, I was so small, and I've got a picture of me, uh, so about a few months later, and I wouldn't go to bed on my own, I was terrified of everything for ages, mum said that it, it sort of, you know, it really bothered me, but the, I've got a photograph of this as well, and my mum's still got the big picture that I drew, so I drew this horrendous monster with like eyes on its head and stuff like that, mum's like, oh, what's that drawing you've done? And I went, it's poltergeist.
0: Yeah. yeah, sweetie, remember last yeah. night?
2: Do you remember when you woke up and you yeah. said you were here? Uh huh. Well, who did you mean? Who's here? The TV people. I was oh like, brilliant. God. Brilliant, right? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, <God>. it absolutely <laughs> terrified me. Um, and yeah, I, it. I, that was. Yeah, it, it, so I think that probably set off a lot of me being interested in the supernatural, though, but I wouldn't go to bed yeah. on my own. I became very clingy. Um, I, I became quite a nervous child after seeing that. It,
0: it was scary, though. I mean, it was one of those films that didn't show you everything too quickly. It was a long build-up to it, which was good. So it was you know, it was yeah. stuff like, you know, a little bit like uh, Dave's um, shoe-stacker poltergeist he had in his yes. house. He had the, the chairs stacked the chairs, up upside down yeah. when they turn around, a really clever trick that they did. But I guess also you've got the element of uh, which is something else that's been part of your life then, Rachel, is the element of people coming in to try and see whether there are ghosts because the scientists come in and, and, and live with the yeah. family and everything as well. Also, the little girl, I think, is incredibly creepy and there's obviously quite a tragic story attached to her. Also, exactly. Carol Ann,
2: Yeah, the little girl. And also that thing of like one minute you're watching the television and the next minute you're, you're, you're taken away from your family by some supernatural beings like that. Because yeah. as a kid, what is the most frightening thing to, to you to be taken away from your family? I mean... that. I, I've, I've got a bit about this in the show at the minute, but my mum used to sort of... When I was naughty, she used to threaten me with, if, if you carry on like that, you'll go into boarding school. Which, which Yeah, my uh,
0: mum used to do that.
2: Yeah, very aspirational She used to pretend threat. to phone it
0: up. Yes. Phone upstairs, she used to book us in.
2: Oh, my God, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Terrible. So, so that was it, you know, and I used to be so terrified of being taken away from the family, you know, and then you see, oh, my God, you could be taken away from watching from your family because you might go into TV, you know. So yeah. that, that definitely...
0: Aren't you completely. glad, though, that telly doesn't just go to um, static after a certain point? Remember, telly used to, yes. tell you to do the national anthem and then turn off. Oh, That's yeah. terrifying, isn't it?
1: Has anyone ever woken up in the middle of the... Like, I fell asleep in front of the telly once, and it's the scariest thing ever is to wake up in front of static <laughs> oh. because of that. You kind of you start seeing shapes and all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah,
0: God. static yeah. is weird to look at for a prolonged period of time, for sure. There's definitely something creepy about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nowadays, yeah. it's different, isn't it, because you just be watching... a The advert for the Rap 2, you know, the (laughs) knife set.
1: Yeah, Job (laughs) Finder or something.
0: Uh, So there you go. That's going in there um, um, as the first scar, Rachel, Poltergeist the movie. What year did you say that was, by the way?
2: So that came out in 82. So I I saw that in 85, probably, when I was three.
0: Wow. Okay, well, let's get your, your second scar, please.
2: Okay, right. Now, I haven't seen the film all the way through. This is just a bit of the film that I saw that still scares me to this day. Uh, it's a bit in Pee Wee Herman's Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, and it's when he gets in a truck. <laughs> he sort of flags down. The clip's on YouTube. I- I've seen it recently. It still makes me feel physically sick. He, I mean, he's weird anyway. He was weird anyway, wasn't he So he yeah. flags down this truck, gets in. It's a female truck driver called Large Marge, right? And he gets in, and there's this really weird sort of <laughs> bassy music playing in the background, and she just says, "Uh." It was a night like this when I, uh, it was the worst uh, accident I'd ever seen. And she says the sound of the crash was like a a garbage truck being dropped off the Empire State Building. And and Pee Wee Herman's like, oh yeah, okay. And she's telling this really scary story. And then she goes, and when they pulled the driver from the wreckage, his face looked like this, right? And she turns to him, oh, and he's, it's horrible. It's like a cartoon face, like animated, but big eyes and crushed up. And it's making me feel horrible thinking about it now.
4: And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Because I was it, was, it was on TV, I just remember, and I was just sort of watching it, not late at night, because it's, you know, probably a PG. And I just remember going, <laughs> and I was so frightened by it. Even to this day, if I see someone holding something up in front of their face, I'm convinced that they're going to take that down and it's going to be that, oh. that face from, from Large Marge. Like s- in...
0: s- scary peekaboo. You've got like a, a scary peekaboo yeah. type.
2: And I don't thing. like, and I think this is why I don't like anything that's cartoon with real, like who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, thank you. I, I find yes. anything cartoon in the real world really creepy. And I think it's because of it's Large like the mask? Marge. Yes.
1: The bits in the mask as well, where yeah. he'll, he'll turn around in his face, or just go like a hate it Tex Avery cartoon. Wow, yeah.
0: there's probably there's probably See, a I've thing. Have seen Pee Wee Herman? But there's probably a condition. Yeah. There's probably a th- you know like you know there's Uncanny Valley and all that kind of stuff. There's yeah. probably a thing for not liking uh, you know cartoon when mixed with reality.
2: Yeah, so that 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 just scared the, the living daylights out of me. Like the story's frightening, and it, it, I mean, as I say, I can't remember anything about the film, just that one
3: bit. I think Pee Wee Herman's very creepy as a children's entertainer in the first place. Even before yeah. you get to anything, it's, yeah. It's just, yeah. Act of, yeah, the voice—it's the voice that I don't know what it is. It's just yeah, weird. I I would not be inviting him around to be a child entertainer at my parties. So, you know, just no chance. Yeah,
0: he's got so. um, he's got ventriloquist dummy kind of look about him, yes. which obviously feeds back yeah. to Dave. Oh, in the very yeah, first no, episodes, no. Yes. Dave's fear of ventriloquist dummies, yes. etc. <laughs> Yeah. Basically, is it? I guess part of it, um, Rachel, is, and this is something that is a recurrent theme with with some of the scars that our guests pick on this podcast, is that it's when you think you're in a safe environment, uh, you know, aka watching uh, you know, a Pee-wee Herman kids film, and then suddenly that kind of comfort blanket is taken away really quickly, yeah. and, you, and it gives you a sense you don't know quite where you are or, or, or what's what you're yeah, supposed well, to be able to be safe around. Do you know what I mean?
2: I mean, I just did it. The thing is, it's like, I mean, it did the trick because I think it, it was meant to be scary, but it, but it honestly it was just so horrifically frightening like there was no need for it to be that scary <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> even now i think about it and i go oh no that was horrible and, like i rewatched it the other day and i went yeah it still gives me the creeps it just didn't it was so wow. out of place to be so frightening in that yeah. bit yeah and it and then it yeah And it's just the fact of, like... It's the ambush. Yeah,
0: it's the ambush. Yeah, that's what it is. It's the ambush. Basically, we call it, like,
4: the ambush.
2: And it's the idea of of being in a car or a truck with somebody at at night and then them turning to you. That frightens me, you know. It still frightens me now. My auntie Trish, you know, who's into the supernatural, she um, wouldn't drive at night because she was scared of seeing ghosts in the back of a car. But I I used to (laughs) laugh at her. But now I'm the same. I'm like, I don't think I could do that either. But then I, I sometimes give myself the creeps. Sometimes I'll be in a car with somebody, and it, you know it's late at night, coming back from a gig, and you and they're driving, and I and then I start thinking about Pee Wee Herman and Large Marge.
0: <laughs> I mean, um, <laughs> I mean, is it you know, in terms of stuff these days, Rachel? I mean, that's 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 a movie from your childhood. Yeah. Are, are you quite hard to scare now, or are you quite resilient when watching stuff, or you just avoid it?
2: I'm, I'm quite I love watching scary stuff I'm quite hard it's difficult to scare me now but you know it's so weird because sometimes I get more scared reading stuff now than I do watching stuff even stuff okay. that I've read before so for example Edith Nesbitt, E. Nesbit, who wrote The Railway Children wrote loads of ghost stories and they're really scary and there's there's one called uh, John Charrington's Wedding which is just a traditional old ghost story it's about this this guy who, who gets to marry the, the most beautiful girl in the village uh, but he has to go away to sort something out and then he says he'll, he'll be back for the day dead or alive i'll be married on wednesday you know that you think oh hey what's, yeah. what's gonna happen here anyway he gets basically comes back as a ghost marries her and then terrifies her in this carriage she dies as well right i mean it's a lot more you know well explained and, and frightening than that but i i've read this story millions of times i've listened to it on audiobooks a few weeks ago i was just reading it on my kindle and uh I frightened myself and I had to, my boyfriend was in the living room and I had to message him. I text him. I said, can you just come into the bedroom a second? <laughs> and I frightened myself. I'm always doing it. <laughs> you know, amount, I spent so much time away gigging and I'll be in a hotel room and I'm like, Oh, why have I just read this? You know? Yeah. It, it's all, now it's always reading, you know, not necessarily, I can watch, I can watch a scary film on my own now, but it is very much, if, if it's, the written word to me now I'm just like because oh, you're doing it to yourself aren't you it's your
0: own imagination yeah. so but it's quite I mean we, we have quite a few um, stand-up comedians on, on our radio show and obviously outwardly it looks like quite a glamorous thing but there's a lot of travelling there's a lot of being yeah. on your own you're yeah. left to your own imagination working you up a little bit so and staying in places like yeah. that a lot of late night driving so it, it, it's almost perfect Um, you know fertile ground for Absolutely. scaring yourself silly yeah
2: definitely oh so much time on your own in your own head and you know, I'm always reading something spooky as well, you know, I've always got like a, I love like a, I love a self-published true ghost story, mate. You know, I, I recently yeah. read one about this guy, who's just talking about his haunted house in Sheffield that he lived in. And he's like, oh, you know, I've just written this book to put my accounts down, I'm not I'm not a writer, don't expect anything, you know, fantastic. Scared the shit out of me. And I, I'm, I'm just, you know, in bed in a bloody travel lodge, halfway through my tour going, oh God, what am I doing?
0: Were, were you uh, ever an owner or, or or read the um, the legendary Osborne Book of Ghosts, yeah, which has I, made a, a number of appearances on this uh, podcast, Rachel? Uh,
2: yes, I used to get that out of the library, and I had a copy as a child. And I also I can see it on my shelf here somewhere. I got a, a copy about two years ago for Christmas when it was uh, it was re released, wasn't it? But yeah, I, that yeah, yeah. I got that. I think we. you no, all no made
1: a stronger stuff than me. I mean, I I couldn't own it. <laughs> My entire adult life. I only got the reprint. I was like you, it used to be in our school library, but I tell a story in our first book how I got to, you know, the the pages at the back with the black and white ghost yeah. yeah, yeah. It was the one, the monk and the, the woman sitting in the back seat of the car. I was reading the captions and I threw it across the table <laughs> and everyone kind of turned and looked at me. I had such a visceral reaction to it.
2: Wow. Oh yeah, I, 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 there's sort of, there was loads of books in, in, so I used to go to Manchester Library and get all their ghost books out as well. And there's that famous picture of um, the the, the lady coming down the stairs, the ghost photograph, or that one where it's uh, St. Bottold's Church, is it? Where it's like a a ghostly monk at uh, an altar. Newbie (laughs) Church,
4: yeah.
2: Is that the one? Oh my God. That that used to scare the life out of me, but I'd sit and stare at it for ages.
3: <laughs> from where i'm sitting i can actually see my complete collection of the unexplained that was the one, oh, that was yeah. the one for that that evp that that flexi disc on the first issue where it's like it's, it's voices of ghosts allegedly you know yeah. where you, you and the guy says oh this is a you can hear, you can hear the ghost say this and you go it was just noise before, but now I can hear a ghost say what you just heard oh. the ghost say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, and the other the other thing that freaked me out about it was um, obviously all the ghost pictures, but ectoplasm. You don't get much it, ectoplasm these days, do you? But no, you just have it, it all
2: over. It's really died that? out, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I the game's it. gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it, you know, it's <laughs> a spontaneous a spontaneous human combustion and ectoplasm, and no one's leaving slime on anything these days, are they? No, you, no. All, no,
3: so. no, no. Just not just have trying. Uh,
0: Rachel, could we please get your third and final scar?
2: Yeah, it is Ghost Watch.
0: Uh, oh, amazing amazing! Yeah.
2: Surely this can't be the first time it's been mentioned on air, can it? Is it? I mean, I. It is. It is. I, we've
1: we've talked about it, but it's the first time it's come up as a scar.
2: Yeah. Well, I um I remember watching it when it, on the very day it was on that Halloween, and I. So bear in mind, I I had. I was 10, I think when, um, ghost watch came out. So bear in mind, I've been three years old seeing poltergeist. I wouldn't go to bed on my own. I, uh, had to get someone to sit in the room with me until I went to sleep. It's still to this day, you know, as I say, I lived with my grandparents and, uh, th- I used to have to say to them sometimes, will you wait at the bottom of the stairs while I go for a week? Cause I'm too frightened to go upstairs on my own. Right. So I, I, I was genuinely terrified of ghosts constantly. Right. Because of poltergeist. Now, Finally, just started to get over it a bit. Started to, you know, go to bed, be a bit more grown up, and then I watched Ghost Watch, and it all happens again. My God, it scares <laughs> the living shit out of me because I, I remember I was sitting on the arm of the chair with my mum. When my mum was sitting on the chair, and I was sitting on the arm of the chair, and we started watching it, and I was just absolutely terrified. I, it, it, I didn't. I, I thought it was real. You're a kid. You thought it yeah. was real. And I remember being so frightened about it. And then going to school on the Monday, I mean, or whenever it was. I think, I'm sure it was on on a Saturday, but that just might be me remembering it. Everything's a Saturday when you're a kid, isn't it? And um, <laughs> I just remember going to school and everyone was talking about it. Everyone was terrified about it. And I just remember everyone being really sort of into the supernatural for about three days. You know, that was when we were like, oh, there's a ghost here and there's a ghost <laughs> there. And, oh, there's a ghost in my house. And But it absolutely scared me. Pipes, the ghost pipes. I've got the oh, I've got the DVD, amazing. and I wanted to show my boyfriend it because I was I I was like I don't think you understand how much this frightened people, like it, it was so terrifying, and he's like five years younger than me, so I was like right I, I've got to show you this. Oh, and he's watching it. He's like what load of shit? This is I'll like, oh, piss off. You don't know what frightening <laughs> is, you. But even like now when I watch it, I know I now know as a grown up that, that there's some acting in it. You know I know that. That it's pretend but it still feels real to me and I just I think it was just such a a mad thing that happened
0: so welcome live this Halloween night to the first ever TV ghost watch that's a scene in uh, Foxhill Drive in Northolt our outside broadcast units are there that's the house where it might all happen tonight or it might not we shall see we're going to investigate one of the most baffling and fascinating areas of human experience the supernatural tonight Television is going ghost hunting in an unprecedented scientific experiment where we hope to show you, for the first time, irrefutable proof that ghosts really do exist. It yeah, we trusted people as well. They were trusted yeah. TV kind of journalistic characters. It's Parky for crying out loud. Sure.
2: Yeah, and, and Sarah Green and 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 it was like I could like it was and it was live. It was yeah. live, wasn't it? Because Craig Charles was doing the thing from. The thing, and then there's a really dark bit where he talks about a dog that was found with its stomach ripped open. Do you remember that bit? And I, <laughs> and the puppies, it was pregnant, and the and and I still think that I've made that up, but I'm like, no, he definitely said that on there. And I, it was so scary, and I just remember being absolutely terrified by it.
1: It's absolutely. It's along with Threads, I will put Watchers, They're the best two single British dramas ever. Yeah just astonishing pieces of drama. This is the thing though that Ghostwatch was never kind of portrayed as a hoax. It was always a piece of drama. It just seems that three quarters of the people who happened to watch it, myself included, and yourself included, kind of didn't see the build-up. I was in uni, I was 22 years old at the time. And I was out every night at the student union with me mates. So we knew there was gonna be a BBC show for Halloween it was going to be transmitted live from a haunted house in London that's all we knew we were like right we've got to watch this so we piled around to one of my mate's houses and we'll watch it we missed the first 10 minutes as well which makes things even worse oh. because apparently it was here's tonight's screen one drama presentation Ghost Watch. we saw none of this so we're completely buying into this and this is something that people forget when I tweet about it on Twitter or it comes up every Halloween you get the hard knocks, like people like your brother, uh, sorry, your, your boyfriend, who were like, this is shit, no one can be scared by this, people were traumatised yeah. by it, because yeah. at the time, people know how television works now, we didn't know how television worked back then, so I just assumed that the, you, you kind of watch it now, and you think, well, the family are acting, Yeah. at the time, I'm, I'm like, they're just uncomfortable in front of the cameras, so they're yes. a bit stiff, well- so basically, pipes keeps popping up, there's a bit, Famous bit that you'll probably remember, Rachel. There's a bit where the CCTV goes to the the two um, young girls' bedroom and kind of pans across, and it's very subtle. But pipes is standing yes. by the neck curtains. My mate, she's one of my mates. She freaks out and she says, "I've seen the ghost." And we're all there's three lads, two girls, and we're they going, "No, no, no, watch it! No, there was nothing there." And she's like, "I saw it, I saw it." And then it cuts back to the studio. There's people ringing in, in inverted commas, saying, we saw the yep. ghost. So they repeat the same footage and there's nothing there. Now my mate, she is freaking. We have to calm her down yep. because she's so adamant that she saw a ghost. Obviously as time progresses, the drama progresses, it becomes obvious it's just a drama, yep. but it's terrifying. It never stops being terrifying. The thing is, I remember basically we walked all our mates home one by one that night And then I was left on my own, walking the streets of (laughs) Hanley and Stoke, and I couldn't get this thing out of my head, even though obviously it's completely fake, Michael Parkinson's possessed at the end. Yes. It terrified me. And it terrifies me every time I see it. Do you know the story, the tragedy that happened afterwards Rachel? No. Why it's never been repeated. Two or three days later, a young lad with learning difficulties. This isn't, isn't the main reason this happened. But it was one of the triggers. He basically committed suicide because he thought that demons and ghosts were real. He was going to get possessed. So unfortunately, he took his own life. He had a lot going on. It wasn't just Ghostwatch. And as far as me and Dave, Scarred for Life, are concerned, that is the end of the Scarred for Life era. As in, throughout the 70s and 80s in our childhoods, anything goes. You could show children's programmes with stabbings and beatings. It was the show that taught program makers that they had kind of a duty of care so ghost watch has never been repeated by the bbc and it probably never will they allowed the bfi to release it on um blu-ray and dvd it's still basically it was just chucked in a cupboard and left to gather dust to the extent that dave will tell the story a lot better than me last halloween we were contacted by a bbc local radio station to do an interview about ghostwatch then
3: yeah wow. so, I, I, so i was booked in to talk about uh, ghostwatch on at halloween uh, and i was driving the car on the morning of the interview and i got a phone call and that's why i answered it on the you know the hands free and the woman said like oh hi, this is so-and-so from i think it was she- was it sheffield radio was it she- i think it was sheffield and uh, yeah, she said yeah. um, you know this interview you're doing this morning we've just had a word with the lawyers or the lawyers have just had a word with us and it's no go we can't do it we wow. cannot talk we cannot talk about this, so we're not, we're, basically we're not doing the interview. Uh, they have done a documentary about it, but I think they've got to be very careful about what they say about it because wow. yeah. the interview got
0: cancelled last minute.
2: Uh, wow, to, it's mad, that isn't it?
3: Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, I think I think we we've had someone mention this before uh, that. It's the element of not being able to watch something again that yes. was, was so powerful. So you can't, you can't, you know, rewind very quickly like you can do with Sky Q and stuff now. Don't you think, Rachel?
2: Yes, exactly. And because yeah. I remember got, and I still spoke about Gold's Watch, and, you know, and sort of people around my age were like, "Yeah, do you remember it?" And then it came out on DVD. I remember I think maybe when I was in my early twenties, uh, and then it came out again just a couple of years ago. I remember it being quite bloody expensive, and I've got it. And and it's there, and, like, it, it's, you know, you only ever keep a few DVDs now, don't you? But that's one yep. that's there that's, like, I've got it. But it is that thing of not being able... Like, that, is that why, you know, Large Marge frightened me so much? Because I saw it once, and then it took uh, 30 years, 20, 30 years for me to see it again.
3: I think that's an important factor in how scary things were. Because mm-hmm. we couldn't see things again, we'd go to school the next day, and we'd talk about it, and false memory syndrome would set yes. in, and go... Do you remember that bit when the guy's head fell off? And you go, I yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. So
2: and I, I remember we ghost watched though. Kids at school, like, yeah. Well, when it was on, um, yeah. Well, what happened was, uh, well, there was noises in my kitchen, and, and yeah, then yeah. you know this happened, and then we saw a man <laughs> in the corner, and so it was all that kind of stuff. And it, but my mom, who believes in none of this whatsoever, and thinks it's absolutely ridiculous that I'm interested in it. Uh, I was watching it with her, obviously. And she was like, it's not real you don't be yeah. it's not real i was like oh it's real it's real it because it, it see it we would not had that kind of that thing didn't happen on telly it was like either factual or you know drama and that seemed like and it was presented as real wasn't it and then of course uh, well, yeah like you say it wasn't repeated so you just made up your own sort of yeah mythology around it as yeah. well
0: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, it's a fantastic suggestion. Completing your three scars. Uh, so let's just recap them, Rachel. Your your three scars are number one was Poltergeist the movie. Uh, number two, uh, one of my favourites of the series so far, Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure <laughs> <laughs> with Large Marge. Uh, and number three, Ghostwatch. Uh, and I think one of the scariest things of this episode has been the uh, eerie creak of Dave's chair. Oh, yeah, yeah I, 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 I do. I do apologize. <laughs> that, that's He's
3: got the ghost. Chair. Walk. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's just Is that house, Dave. It's not oiled. It's <laughs> not oiled,
0: unlike Dave. Uh, so, uh, Rachel, uh, a hugely busy person. What what have you got coming up next? What's what's the future hold for you? What are you up oh, to?
2: Well, my tour finishes this week, so that's neither here nor there, is it? That that's done. Um, what else? I'm I'm doing a, a new show next year. I'm doing a character based show, so I'll be doing some previews around and about with that. Um, oh wow! But to be honest, I've just done a thirty-seven date. Tour, so I'm just gonna do nothing for two weeks. But but find me on social media, there'll be something that, that turns up.
0: Uh oh, well it's been absolutely fantastic to <laughs> have you on the podcast. You've picked some belters as well, particularly uh you know, Ghostwatch those so it's set everyone's minds racing. And uh we really appreciate it. Rachel Furburn, thank you so much for chatting to Scar for Life. Thank you. That's it for another week. Uh we'll be back next week with another special guest sharing their deepest, darkest fears. Uh, like I said at the beginning, get in touch and tell us about your scars. You can get in touch on Twitter at Scarred for life2. Scar for Life book on Instagram and the email again contact at scarredforlifebooks.com. You have been listening to Scarred for Life. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, do have nightmares. We'll see you next week.